just to remind you where we are in this series, this is our 10th week of the series, This Is How You Know. This is how we know. So we've been talking about the, the um, going, walking through the book of 1 John, which is actually a letter that John has written to a community of believers near Ephesus. Um, these are very special people to him. These are his people. He has taught them personally. So he is invested in their journey. He's in, invested in what they believe, and he has heard, and we've talked about this a couple of times this series, he's heard that there are dissenters in the group that are trying to not only, not only twisting the truth that they have heard from him, but they are trying to convince others to believe this twisted truth also. So this is making John react rather urgently, and we have heard that language in, his le- in, his, in this letter. He's talked to them with, we've heard his pain and we've heard his maybe frustration a little bit, which is understandable, right? He knows that there is a lot at stake here. Now, the other thing that we hear a lot of through this letter is love. I mean, not just in the words that, we, that Rory just read, but all through the letter, we've heard a lot about love. This is clearly something that is very important to John. Let me tell you, the, the word love appears 13 times just in the first six verses that Rory just read. 13 times in six verses. John is clearly, this is clearly important to him, that he wants to tell them how much they are loved by him, by God, and how important love is. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a lot about love. Um, Verses 7 through 10 talks about God is love, right? Love is from God, but God is love. This is not a behavior of God. This is not a metaphor of God. God is not like love. God does not perform love, but God actually is love. Love is the very DNA and nature and essence of God. Love is a fundamental characteristic of who God is, so much so that everything God does is influenced by his love. Everything that he does. This is how bound God and love are according to scripture. God is love and God has been made known through the act of, this love has been made known through the act of sending his son Jesus for us. The action that is perfect and eternal love, that is the picture of it. Verse 10 insists that when we talk or think about what love is, we have to begin with that action, that action of God's. We have to focus on that because we have to remember that God loved us first. That's important. It's not that we love God. It's that he loved us first. We need to always be aware and influenced by God's love. It needs to be more than just what we talk about on Sundays at church or a Sunday school answer for a question. We need to experience God's love for us every single day. That's available to us. It's important for us. And there are a lot of reasons why, and we're going to talk about that today. If we move ahead in verses 11 through 16, John talks about God's perfect love and loving others. In order for us, we talked to the team this morning before the, before the gathering, and we talked about how, how important it is for us to be the channel of God's love. God's love flow, is supposed to flow through us. That means we have to be fully tuned in to to God's love, right? We have to be able to feel that ourselves. 
God's love is perfected. Perfect love includes us loving other people. I've heard um, it explained this way. I've heard it explained like that, that perfect love is triangular. If you think of a triangle, I'm sorry, I don't have a visual, but if you think of a, tri- everyone can think of a triangle, right? I don't need to draw it on a board or anything. Okay, just want to make sure. So at the very top clearly is God, right? One, one arm of the, from God to us flows love, right? And then from us to others flows love, God's love through us to others, so that others will also love God. Now, you can reverse that pattern even if you want to and just keep repeating it, right? From God, he loves others so that they will love us so that we will love him. That's how, that's how we should think about that always. It's, con- it's a constant action. God loves us so that we can love others so that they can love him. Reverse and repeat. He also, this text also talks about he gave us a measure of his spirit, and this is how we remain in him. Now, Pastor Eric talked a lot last week about testing the spirits, understanding the spirits, and knowing knowing the difference between the spirit that is from God, the Holy Spirit, and other spirits. And he gave you some examples of how some, some ways that you can do that, how you can test the spirit. Does the spirit look like the first spirit, the Holy Spirit? right? Does the fruit of that spirit look like God? Is, that, is what that spirit is telling me affirmed by my faith community? So if you missed that message, I invite you to go back and listen to it. It was, it was very helpful, very powerful, and even you can look at the going deeper from last week because Pastor Eric put those things in the going deeper of, of ways that you can test the spirit to make sure that you are in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, verses 17 through 21, he moves into how perfect love casts out fear. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. I'm going to read a part of this verse because it's it's really long. But um, in verse 17, it starts with this. This is how love has been perfected in us. And then later in 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. That's that perfect love that we keep talking about. Now, verse 17 tells us how to have something that everybody wants to have. We want perfect love and we want confidence in that love, right? And verse 18 switches to something that we all want to get rid of, and that is fear, and particularly fear of punishment. Getting rid of our fear of punishment is one of the main functions of God's love. It's not the only function. It's one of the main functions of God's love. That's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus, obviously, to show us how to live, but it was to cover the sins that separated us from God. We no longer live under that sentence of punishment because of Jesus, because of the work that he did on the cross. John says in his his gospel, John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So part of understanding the magnificent love of God is understanding and knowing that his judgment fell on Jesus at the cross, not us. That's a powerful thing for us to remember. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I... 
don't live in that truth. I, I, it is true, but I don't remember it and the weight of it and the, the meaning of it as much as I should. It doesn't sometimes infiltrate my life and the way that I treat people and the way that I do things and make decisions. I'm just confessing that to you. I think that that's true for more than maybe just me. But I want you to always focus on the intensity of that love. I want you to, if, if what it takes for you to know how much God loves you, then continue to look at Jesus on the cross and his journey to the cross because that is what powerful love look, looks like. That is what complete love looks like. That is what perfect love looks like. So, to move into the next section of that, if we get that, if we understand that love, then what is this fear that we might have? What is this fear that it talks about? Everything that we hear Everything that we take in our life is filtered through either love or fear. Think about that for a moment. Everything that you take in in your life, you take it in and you run it through a filter of either love or fear. All through the scripture, we see the words, do not fear, do not be afraid, right? Let me tell you something that I have learned. When God repeats a command over and over again, you should take note of it, first of all. The other thing that I have learned is it is typically him letting me know he's revealing a tactic that the enemy is likely to use to divert my attention from him. It exposes a vulnerability. He knows that we we as people can be afraid. And so God tells us over and over through the word, through his word, don't be afraid because he wants us to know that is not staying in tune with me. That is the enemy's tactic to get your eyes off of me. Fear is basically agreeing with the enemy because when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. Now, having the emotion of fear is not the sin, but partnering with the fear, that's a sin because that's a lie. God says there is no fear in him. This says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear expects punishment. That's what fear is, right? Some concept, we're afraid of some consequence. Now, hear me when I say this. That doesn't mean if you make a wrong choice that you're not gonna have consequences, you are. You are. I'm not saying that here. I'm not talking also about fear that is maybe caution that you have, that the Holy Spirit gives you. That's discerning that. But I'm talking about crippling fear, fear that gets your attention off the fact that your father loves you and that he wants what's best for you. That's, That's the fear that we're talking about. So, What maybe does that fear look like for you or for me? Maybe it's the fear of pain, right? None of us likes to feel pain. But there is no promise in the Bible that says we won't have pain. There isn't. It isn't. Trust me, I've looked. I can't find it. If you find it, email me at laurie at element3.org. I'd love to see that. 
There's no promise that we won't feel pain. Pain is a part of life. It's a part of this life. I mean, Scripture even says that the, the promise is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That implies that there's a yoke and a burden, right? There are things that are going to be hard about this life. Maybe your fear is of death. That's a lot of people's fear. But if you really understand what death, what is on the other side of death, then what is there to fear? Don't let fear be the same thing as grief. You can grieve death. You can grieve the loss of someone because that means you loved, and that's great. But you don't have to fear death for someone else or for yourself, not if you're a believer, not if you've given your life to Christ. Maybe the fear that you have is the fear of the unknown or a lack of control. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. One of our most common fears, or our most common fears, usually do relate to the things that we can't control, like pain, like death, or like the unknown. Fear can be ominous and undefined. Sometimes Sometimes I know exactly what I'm afraid of. I know exactly. I've thought it through and spent way more time on it than I should have. And there are other times that I have just felt fear. And I, if someone would ask me why, I wouldn't even be able to describe it. It is just, I've just felt fearful. We become fearful when we doubt that our source of our security, which is God, is actually strong enough to hold us or sustain us. We become fearful when we doubt God's love for us. That's why it's outside of his perfect love. It means that we're not trusting him. We're saying in some way that he's not big enough to handle this thing that I'm dealing with. God, I know you're big, but you don't know me. You don't know my thing. You don't know this thing that I'm carrying. You're not big enough for that. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. If I am living in fear, it's a lack of trust. You see, fear and love are opposites. Most people think that love and hate are opposites, but hate is just a byproduct of fear, right? Hate stems from the fear of something or someone. But it's based in fear. Hate is the fear of other, other things that, I'm not, that I don't know about, I'm, that, I, that are new to me, that are different. Other places where I haven't been before. Or other people who are just different from me in some way. That's where hate comes from. It's based in fear. Fear is what keeps us in the dark and afraid to take a step toward showing love versus hate. The power of love is what allows us to not hate, especially people. This is in direct conflict with what God says. He says to love people. Oftentimes we hate people just simply because they're different and it's based in our fear. Nothing else. When we fail to show love to others, it is a sign that we aren't understanding God's love. We aren't the ones that are connected, not them. Fear separates us and love brings us together. 
I know that might sound a little cheesy, but think about the words that are in that sentence. It's true. Fear separates, which, which does what? It makes us more afraid. Love brings us together, which does what? It makes us less afraid. We have to understand that our response will either be to feed the love or feed the fear, but they can't exist in the same place. So you have to make that decision. We have to learn how to free ourselves from fear and let the love take over. Like we talked about the perfect love, letting God's love in us and flow through us. Always aware of that deeper, powerful love that God has for us. So I'm going to ask you, what is it that fear might be costing you? Is it costing you an opportunity to take a step that God really wants you to take just simply because it's uncomfortable? Is it a step that maybe is extraordinary, but it's uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar? Maybe he has something incredibly powerful for you to do. And you're afraid because you just have never done it before. Maybe it's costing you a relationship with somebody because you're just afraid to be vulnerable. You're afraid to be hurt. You're afraid of that pain that we talked about. But is it worth cutting yourself off from people because you might be hurt? Is that what God tells us to do? No. He says, take all of my love and let it pour out onto other people. Will there be pain? Yes. Yes, there will. But will it be perfected through God's love? Yes. Yes, it will. Fear can be crippling. I know. At the very least, if it's costing you nothing else, it's costing you peace, which is God's promise for us. My peace is with you. I give you my peace. This is what he wants us to have, and this is how he wants us to live. He knows how much we need it. You can't have peace and fear, right? Just making sure it's not just me. So what do we do? Because we know we're going to struggle with fear because we live in a broken world and we're broken people. So we're going to make wrong choices, and we're going to get it wrong sometimes. The solution to fear is trust. And it's not trusting your pastors. It's not trusting just your spouses. It's trusting God. You have to ask yourself, is God God or not? Is he big enough to handle this thing that I'm carrying that seems overwhelming to me? And surely it is overwhelming to me. But is it possible that if you think God can't handle it, that your God isn't big enough? Have you put God in a box that he doesn't belong in? Have you put limits on his power and his strength and his love for you? Because that is what you're doing. That is what we are doing when we aren't trusting him. There is nothing, there is nothing that he can't walk us through. 
love us through. When he tells us not to fear, it means he's partnering with us to do something that we previously could not do or that we absolutely could not do without him. That's what he's giving us, the opportunity to deal with this thing with him, never outside of him, but with him. So it's then, and then it doesn't become about how strong am I? Can I handle this? It's can he. And whatever part I get to play in that is just bonus. So the cure for fear is to develop confidence that God is with us and sufficient for our needs. That confidence is called faith. And sometimes fear overcomes us and, and, it, and we, we don't even know why and we don't see it coming. There is no fear in love. There is only trust. I want to share with you how this has played out in my life recently. This is something that I've shared with some close friends and a couple people on staff, but um, many of you know the, this journey that I've been on with my ankle. It's been over four months, and it has been incredibly challenging. And the first few weeks were, well, I'd say the first month, were some of the hardest and darkest times of my life. I was surprised at the fear that welled up in me over broken bones. Now, mind you, they're broken. I didn't lose a limb. There was never a risk of that. I wasn't diagnosed with a terminal illness like some people have been. It was a broken bone that I knew I had access to care that was going to help that heal, and I was going to be better. I did not know it was going to take as long as it's taken. But I knew that healing was coming. And still, there were days, several days, particularly nights, where I was crippled with fear. Couldn't breathe. Anxiety is not something that I have ever personally struggled with until this. I didn't see it coming. I didn't know why. I couldn't understand what was happening. What am I so afraid of? I couldn't explain it to my husband, who I would wake up in the middle of the night because I couldn't breathe. I don't know what I was afraid of. I had already fallen. I had already broken a bone. I was already feeling pain. There was no death that I was afraid of. But I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do, I, I tried to do the, the disciplines that I'm used to. I tried to read scripture. I went to the songs that I know, that I know by heart from, from singing them here that usually can just give me a, a few minutes of peace. It can draw me out of whatever I'm in. None of those things worked. I tried to pray for myself. I, try, I couldn't even find the words to cry out. Now, let me be clear. It wasn't that I didn't feel like God was with me. I knew that he was. I just couldn't raise my hand and, and reach out to him. I couldn't say the things that I, because I couldn't figure out what was going on. Several days in of not sleeping. By the way, I, I was in incredible pain. I had had an adverse reaction to the pain medicine. And so I was not able to take the pain medicine. So I was trying to live on Tylenol, which is 
not fantastic for broken bones, just FYI. It barely dulls the pain. And so I was in a lot of pain and focused all of my attention on that, understandably so, right? So several days in, it happened to actually be on a Saturday night, and I knew church was coming the next day, and I wasn't going to be there, and it happened to be Easter weekend, which was incredibly difficult for me. And I started praying for the team and for you all who would be coming here on that day. I was, I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you I was grasping at straws. <laughs> I was just trying to pray. But here's what happened. As soon as I started praying for other people, I found the language to pray for myself. This is what was going on. The pain was so intense that it focused me solely on me. It was the only thing I could think of. I was, it was not about survival because I, I knew the pain was incredible, but I would survive it. But all of my attention was on me. And as soon as I started caring for and loving other people, then I was able to love and care for myself, first and foremost through prayer. It wasn't, I didn't get to come out of that pit until, until I did that. I had to take the focus off of me and put it on other people. And as I trusted him with them, it became easier for, for me to trust him with me. That was a new experience for me. But it was about trust. It was about knowing who I could trust. I knew who I could trust, and I eventually was able to trust because I had done the work ahead of time of understanding as best I can God's love for me, his perfect love for me. Now, I'm not saying that broken bones are the worst things that you can be dealing with. They're hard. There are way harder things. Some of you are dealing with way harder things. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're afraid. What will it take for you to trust the God that loves you so much? It comes from knowing who he is and knowing that he is good and that he loves you personally, individually, all of us, that way. I stumbled on this quote actually just yesterday from Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, all I have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all I have not seen. The word perfect in verse 18 of our text today means complete and mature. And this perfect love that drives out fear is God's selfless agape love. This is the highest level of love. This is love without limits. This is love without limits. You cannot think of a limit for God's love. There isn't anything that you're dealing with now or forevermore that God's love cannot work through. 
So if we truly get this, if we truly get God's incredible love for us, then ask yourself over the next couple of minutes while the band is playing this song, what am I afraid of? What is keeping me from trusting God? I'm going to invite you guys to pray with me before you spend some time reflecting on those questions. <laughs>